You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Cape. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Where about what up, everybody? It's your boy, Al Mega. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders Podcast. And before we get started today, let me introduce one of my co-pilots today. You know, this is what I do. I share the love with my Comic Crusaders family. Uh, let me introduce the one and only Mr. Bracey from Cinema Crusaders and Sloppy Spoilers. What's up, homie? How you doing? Well, I must be having a really bad hair day because uh, my camera refused to work. But uh, other than that, I am here in the spirit, which is appropriate for the subject matter of today's podcast. <laughs> Apparently so, but I think you did this shit on purpose, but don't mess with me. And that's the whole thing right here. If you can see on the screen, man, you're going to talk about a legendary TV medium character, and Kolchak even more than that, as, as Bracey and, and, and the guests here are going to educate us of this guest, man, was raised on Saturday morning cartoons, comic books, sitcoms, Captain Crunch and Cold War. He's apparently a big Tetris, uh, has a Tetris addiction. I would love to challenge him on a game one day. Um, yeah. But he, he's, a def, he's a writer, he's a creator, he's an editor, he's an amazing person from my hometown of New York, you know, but he hails from one of the other boroughs, Staten Island. The one, the only, James Aquilone. Where are you doing? Wow, thank you. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, but I'm happy to have you on, man. A, a fellow comic book nerd from New York, man, that's doing big things all over the place. But I love it, man. And just like you, man, I grew up on all those same things too, man. I love, I love him when that Captain Crunch is you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> whole box. <laughs> yeah, you and me both, but let's tell wifey. They, they asked me the other day, what happens to the Captain Crunch? I'm like, I don't know. It was probably the kids. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Munchie is a hell of a thing. <laughs> but, brother, for real, thanks for coming on, brother. You know, I know you're a fellow comic book nerd, man. You're doing some awesome stuff, man. You got this uh, Kickstarter coming up for Kochak. You know, uh, again, a legendary character. And, you know, we're going to dig into that. But before we do that, you know, let's let the people know again. You know, I always say, well, you're from New York. You're from Staten Island, man. You know, just tell us a little bit more about yourself, you know, growing up in Staten Island as a, a pop culture enthusiast. I mean, who put you on? Was it Mama? Was it Papa? And how easy was it for you to find your tribe back then? Uh, I I think really I found it through TV. I don't think there was no one in my family who was into books or comics or anything like that. So I was like your typical, like, 70s, 80s kid who was raised by TV. <laughs> no babysitter. Put Channel 5 and, and go yeah, to so this time. All my values came from, like, the Cosby Show and Family Times. That's what I thought family was <laughs> oh, man, I hope you're not, not putting that in the jello. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, back in the 80s, that was, like, that was the show, though, you know? I hear you, man. It was that, what's happening, all that good what's stuff. Uh, uh, all the family, Three's Company, yep. you know, MASH. Even even though when MASH came on, I knew it was bedtime as a kid. Right, yeah. No <laughs> doubt. It was the Honeymooners that came on at 11 o'clock. But I was up all night, usually. I, I would watch uh, the Honeymooners, watch the, the Tonight Show, and then let them in. And I, I would do my homework th- at that time. All right, bet. So, you know, uh, so you're doing this, watching your TV and stuff, and did you ever share this with anybody in school and whatnot? Like, or this is something you kept private, man? You, were you like a, 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 it's, you know, a quiet nerd, because I know back then it wasn't safe to be a nerd. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I mean, when I was a kid, everyone was into Star Wars and stuff, but most okay. of the kids, 
you know, I grew up in Brooklyn, so most of the kids are into sports. I was into sports too. So right. who's you your know, team? The Yankees. Oh, thank God! I mean, would have had the Mets and took you over. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I got my Bull Durham hat on. Empire. Oh, no, yeah. there you go. There you go. Definitely a Yankee. And what's your football team? I don't really watch football. I mean, okay. it, it, I, I used to be, like, into the Cowboys. Oh, not God. The Cowboys. Well, the Cowboys for a little while, but then I, I used to like the Dolphins just because of Dan Marino. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, but baseball's your thing. But, uh, baseball was my thing, yeah. I never so long as the play. Yankees were good, even though we're not going any place lately, but it's all right. Yeah. We've been there before, and we and we, then we a dynasty was born. We'll get there again. <laughs> so, um, so talk about just, just the fandom then growing up. I mean, how did you even get into like the you know the creative side of things? So you know, because here you are as a fan, you say you're not easy not to find a tribe. Your family's not that type, you know, of fan. People neither was mine, you know, you know. But my mama was the one handing me books. I, Bracey, let me ask you, so who would who like who handed you your fandom? Did, it was it. Like James, self discovery, or was it a a parent, a family member, a friend? You know, really, James and I parallel uh, quite a bit. Uh, I'm a little bit older than you guys. I think I was growing up on uh, Archie Bunker and Good Times, so <laughs> maybe ten years earlier. But uh, yeah, I was uh, I was way back in the day watching the old Saturday morning cartoons, getting up at five a.m. because uh, you only had till noon, and then the TV wasn't yours anymore. <laughs> but there was a wonderful. Uh, horror host uh, back in the day. I, I lived uh, I lived up north for a few years. I'm primarily a southern boy. This fellow named uh, Doctor Shock, and Dr. so I got Shock. to see like a, a lot of classic horror, a lot of black and white horror movies. And so I grew up with uh, everything from uh, Godzilla to all the Universal monsters. And I had a cousin who's uh, also an artist like myself who's really into that stuff. So uh, I got into it before uh, he reinforced it, but like James, I found my own way there, and you know, once okay. my parents discovered I like comic books, my mom would, you know, get me just grab me odd comic books, and it didn't matter what it was back in the day. I just enjoyed it all. Nice, yeah, yeah, you and me both, but that's awesome. So James, then, so here you are, then, you know, how did you start getting into the creative aspect of it, then? What what led to that? I'd always want to be a writer, so uh, even through like maybe you know. Probably late in high school, that was that was the only thing I wanted to do. I never really wanted a you know a job. <laughs> you, you, you knew you didn't need no boss. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, love it. Well, I was trying to figure out a way like I love graduating it. and like not working. So I was, and anything I wanted to do was like not something you would make money doing. Yeah. So you know, I, I wanted to go to college to maybe like you know learn, learn how to write, but I was also worried that like you know if I get a college degree, I can't like use that college degree to like get a publishing deal. So I, I ended up getting a journalism degree. Okay. Then, cool. then I could write and, and edit and and and, and you know learn, uh, you know the trade uh, some way. And uh, so I did that, and like you know I was uh, also uh, a really lazy person, and uh, I really didn't get <laughs> the fiction writing and stuff seriously until uh, like my mid to late thirties. Really. So many yeah. creators are lazy people. <laughs> but then I'm ambitious, so then I get myself involved in all these projects, and then I go, whoa, what did I do? Uh, so oh. now I'm like... <laughs> You're doing like the rap cram, they're like, oh, yeah, wait a minute. Because I mean, right? now i got all these projects going. Oh, I go, oh, man, I can't sleep now. 
You know, I just do nothing. Wow. I, I really like doing nothing. So wait, what did you do in your 20s then? You didn't even start your journey. Hopefully you were thinking of all these stories at least. <laughs> in my 20s, yeah, I was, I'd, I'd be writing uh, stories and stuff. Uh, I didn't start submitting stuff to like maybe the late 90s, but okay. I, I got a lot of rejections. But I was, you know, out, out of college, I, I was working for newspapers and magazines. Oh, dope. Excellent. Uh, yeah, one of my first jobs was like Harris Publications, and they were a magazine publisher. And at the time, they were, they were uh, publishing Vampirella. Yeah. yeah. And some creepy reprints and stuff. Yeah, yeah, because they took over from uh, from Warren Yeah. Uh, Harris. And so that was cool, but I never got to work on like anything cool like Vampirella. I was working on like uh, quilting magazines. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like deer hunting magazine. Stuff I was about like to say, at least with the coolest made of comics, you know, you know, panels or something. They did everything. They did. Uh, they did triple X, triple uh, XL um, magazine, and, and okay, dope. They did guitar magazine too. But I never got to to uh, work on anything that was cool. So then from there, I ended up working in broadcast. I work now for iHeartMedia. Oh, dope. Oh, well, how did you get into broadcast from that? What, what led to that navigation? Was it on, with intent or it just did it happen? Well, to show you how old I was, uh, I got the job from a, a New York Times uh, ad. Ad? Oh, my It's the good yeah. old days. Look at the effing paper. <laughs> I remember those days, bro. And I faxed my resume. Oh, fact. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I started seeing, that, like, posts about people asking, like, what did we used to do with printers and faxes in our houses? We used right. to actually yeah. look for work, though. That's what we used to do. <laughs> Damn it. You know, why, why go to the store every once in a, every day and pay 50 cents to a dollar for a fact, you know? <laughs> Before that, we used to mail it. I mean, it was, Or it was mail it. Yeah. Go in person and you got to dress up. You got to go outside. Right. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Crazy. I used to spend, like, hundreds and maybe thousands of dollars over the years making uh, photocopies of my artwork and mailing it off to uh, different publishers. <laughs> Crazy. And now, as simple as get a Gmail account, send an email, there you go, with, with a PDF that you can create on your computer. Right. That, that's your investment. It's your so computer, much your hardware. Don't you love it? And how do you feel about that journey, Dennis? Because you've been on that journey for a minute, seeing this whole navigation from how you used to do it then to see how it is now before we dive into the big boy. Yeah, I mean, like, like publishing. It's yeah, yeah, publishing was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's changed a lot. I mean, like you said, now you have a Gmail account and you can just send things. That's cool for the writer, but for, like, the editors and publishers, it's not because <laughs> then anybody could do it. So that's why, you know, we had uh, my last uh, anthology, Classic Monsters and Unleashed, we had an open submissions period, and we got like a th- almost a thousand submissions. Wow! You know, mm. Weird Tales. That when last time they opened up the submissions, they supposedly got ten thousand. Ten thousand. Like you wouldn't get that. You know, if people had to mail that. You know. Oh, can you imagine though? Back in the day, getting ten thousand submissions like that as an editor. Oh my God, bro! Coming through <laughs> with sacks of mail. Like here you go, bro. This is what you got to go through. But now it's so easy. Everyone's just like, you know what? I have a story sitting here. I'm just going to send it off. And, you know, often it's like it has nothing to do with the, the theme. What do you so know? You have to just kind of sift through all that. So that that's that makes it a little more difficult, you know. If, if you if you had to, like, you know, print out the, the story, put it in a manila envelope, go to the post office and pay for it, you wouldn't see that. 
But that, that's the one thing. Uh, but of course now anyone can publish, and I, you know, I started self-publishing about five years ago, oh, and no. uh, you don't, you don't, you don't have to go through the uh, the publishers anymore. And you can say, hey, I go like Kickstarter, and um, see if people are interested in it, and then you say, oh, well, this is probably a book that the publishers wouldn't have uh, published. Because my first novel was uh, Dead Jack, Zombie Detective. And I knew yeah. that no publisher would want that. Because he's, <laughs> he's, he's addicted to fairy dust, and he drinks uh, uh, formaldehyde, and he, he, he smokes. And he does all these, these things that I don't think publishers would like. So I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to write it the way I want to write right. it. I'm going to write it the way that I, you know, I would enjoy it. And I, I, and I figured I'm, I'm going to self-publish this anyway. So I, I'm not going to have to worry about the, the publishers. And I went to Kickstarter, and I and at that time I raised like $5,300. Okay. good. Did and you meet the goal? Yeah, my goal was only like 1000 bucks. Oh, know. wow, nice. So five times the goal on your first try. Wonderful. And it's easier with uh, like a novel because, you know, you're doing all the work. The only thing you have to really pay for that is like the cover. And I had a couple of illustrations in there, so it wasn't that much money. You know, and uh, you're doing print on demand, uh, so you only print as many books as you, as you sell. So exactly. novel isn't that hard. Anthology is a no story because you got to pay all those writers and uh, artists, and, and that's going to be really expensive. Understood. And is it true though that you know that 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 was actually an option for TV? Yeah, movie and back TV. in the pandemonium. Yeah, but movie and TV, man. So is there any progress or movement that you could talk about on that or no? Well, uh, I think, like, early last year, they f- finally accepted the, the TV pilot I wrote. Oh, nice. They're shopping that around, and then they had me write uh, a movie treatment, too. So they're, they're working on it. You know, we've had some meetings here and there, but then, you know, then whatever happens. How's that experience, writing a movie treatment? Is that something <laughs> you were familiar with or comfortable with? Is it anything different than, than that in a comic? I mean, how is that? Uh... The movie treatment's weird because it's kind of like like just a synopsis. You write like a couple of pages of uh, uh, like the story, so that if that's like you have to condense it. And you know, writers usually hate writing like synopsis. There <laughs> were the TV pilot was uh, that was tough because I I, I think I uh, it was it took me about three or four years because oh, they kept wow. making me write um, a different uh, a draft. Like, okay. all right, why why don't we start the, the you know uh, this episode like this and let's let's do it like that. So I wrote I think like like ten drafts, but then they finally accepted it. So I was really happy. Yeah. Like, and I never wrote a TV pilot, and TV pilots are tough because you know you gotta you gotta have an exciting first episode, but it's gotta kind of also tell you about the whole series. Yeah, and you gotta jam in all the characters and the themes and stuff. So that it's a lot harder. Nowadays, too, because you do these serialized stories, you know. Yeah. Like, if you just did, like, a self-contained episode, it's not as difficult. But so you, you have, you're really writing an episode that's not really a full story. So it's, it's, it's um, it was definitely a learning experience to do that. Oh, I can't imagine I'm, at, at all. So let's get into the bad boy. Cause I don't know, Bracey's itching over here because you have this amazing, <laughs> amazing new Kickstarter out, right, that, that you're t- partaking in. You know, for a, an amazing classic character in Kolchak, the mm-hmm. Night Stalker. I mean, wow, 50 years? Holy yeah. smokes, yo. Iconic character. So, you know, t- talk about uh, talk about your involvement w- with the project and, and, and why this character right now. 
Um, well, Moonstone has the the license to um, to do uh, Kolchak stories. Oh, cool. There was a weird thing with with the uh, the history of Kolchak. So, you know, Kolchak, the dramatic rights are still owned by um, I think Universal because it aired on ABC. Okay. But it was actually uh, an unpublished novel, and that and from that. Unpublished novel. They they made the the TV the first TV movie. There were two TV movies, and then it was made into a TV series. I believe that was by author uh, Jeff Rice as well. Jeff Rice, yeah. So Jeff Rice, it's actually a, a kind of a crazy story. Jeff Rice writes this novel. I think it's called the Kolchak Tapes or the Kolchak Papers, and he sends it to Richard Matheson's agent. You know, Richard Matheson is a very famous horror writer. He wrote I Am Legend, and yeah. he wrote a lot of the most you know. Famous and, and probably the best uh, Twilight Zone episodes. So he sends it to Richard Matheson's agent, and Richard Matheson's agent basically just goes and sells the the, the TV movie rights to the to the Kolchak without telling uh, Jeff Rice. Oh, oh. no! So he, he gets his letter. Oh, great idea! I got some money in the bank, baby. Right. So he sells the rights, uh. and then he but he also hooks up Richard Matheson as the writer of the TV movie. What? Yeah. Wow, that's gossip, bro. That's <laughs> some TMZ shit. <laughs> and he brings Jeff Rice into it. Afterwards. Afterwards, yeah. Wow. So, so it wasn't a, a great, you know, uh, situation. But then, um, some for some reason, then the studios didn't have the rights for the literary rights. So Jeff Rice was able to, to hold on to the, the literary rights. Which is why we were able to uh, to do um, check novels and comic books without having having to go through the studio. Nice, crazy. Well, in that way, it worked out. Yeah, publishing and licensing is a weird deal. <laughs> yeah, man, crazy. I'm leaving the floor to you right here. Kill him on the uh, on these Kolchak questions because you see, it's the 50th anniversary. I mean, and I know you're a big guy in this. Fortunately, we wanted our other brother here, Nemesis. May he get better. He's dealing with some health issues, so I hope you get brother soon, brother. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, the first thing that's intriguing is uh, listening to a bit of your own backstory there, finding out that uh, you went to journalism and uh, looking over some of your work, like Dead Jack, uh, you clearly appreciate the noir genre, and you, you're obviously very heavily into uh, horror, uh, and I appreciate both of those. Uh, but I wasn't aware of the journalism degree. So uh, that gives you, I think, a very unique perspective for uh, you wrote the standalone story, Satanic Panic 88. Uh, so uh, tell us a little bit how the uh, how the journalism degree has uh, affected your writing a character like Kolchak, who is, in fact, a journalist. Yeah, so Kolchak is like the perfect character for me. Uh, mm-hmm. like my Dead Jack character is very similar to Kolchak. He, mm-hmm. he fights monsters and, and, and you know, um, does investigations and stuff. And he's kind of that kind of like, um, I guess, the, like the slobbish kind of loserish uh, uh, character like, like Kolchak is. And then, I, you know, I do have a background in, in journalism. I haven't done too much reporting. I mean, uh, Again, like I said, I'm lazy, so I like to sit behind the desk, you know. <laughs> I, 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 had, I had interned uh, for a little while with the New York Post, okay. and they, they sent me on a couple of stories, and it was it was terrible. 
So, <laughs> sympathizing with Paul. I, I, I love this guy. He's so honest. Like, listen, I want to just write. I don't even do shit other than write and use my brain, yo. All right? Yeah, I'm like the cop. is like, yeah, give me a desk job. I don't want to go out. <laughs> I'm not arresting nobody. I'll do the papers. Yeah, I mean, but, the, the first thing that the New York Post sent me out on was the woman was sexually assaulted by, by uh, Prospect Park. Like okay. in her in apartment building. Oh, wow. And they say to me, go to the apartment building and start knocking on doors. That's the first thing. And I thought with this internship, I was going to be shadowing another reporter and learning from them. No, they just sent me a bomb. <laughs> oh, raw Threw you in the deep end. <laughs> by Prospect Park. And it was like, just knock on doors. And I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I'm going in there and I'm knocking on doors. And and, and then I think, again, I, oh, I think I am post-act. It's like, I'm going to solve this case. <laughs> and, and, and so I go up to the top, you know, of the, the apartment building, and I'm like, I'm going to check out the uh, the roof. Maybe this guy came through the roof. This is how crazy I am. <laughs> I go up to the, the you know, uh, the flight of stairs leading to the roof, and these alarms start going off. And it's going, burr, 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 and I'm just hauling ass down the, the apartment, and I run out of the place, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe what I just did. You know, it sounds like you got some of that uh, cold track spirit in you, man. <laughs> yeah, man. So, yeah, that's, that's what, you know, watching too much TV will do. <laughs> you, you think you're like, you know, the Hardy Boys or something. So I I always thought that, you know, that was the way it would be. But it didn't work out, you know. <laughs> I love it. So I'm also curious because uh, I don't see many writers who are also editors. Uh, so, uh you know, I see you're the, you know, the editor for this project and many other projects as well. Uh, so what, uh, what's, a, what's attractive about editing for you and uh, this project in particular? Well, with this project, like, you know, a lot of people think, like, they say you're the editor, that you're just, like, editing, you know, the words and stuff. And, and it's not. It's like you're, really, you're really a project manager. And especially when you have a Kickstarter involved, you're, you're putting this whole thing together. And it's a lot of work, and it's uh, and it's a lot of fun because then I get to uh, I get to pick the theme, and then I, I go out and I, um, I I contact all these artists and writers, and and uh, it's pretty awesome to be working with people like Rod, Rodney Barnes and Kim Newman and Jonathan Mayberry. And then when you have a cool project, it's a lot easier because then you say, hey, I'm doing a cold check uh, anthology, and they're like, oh, I'm in. And a lot of people who I'm sure wouldn't work with me otherwise would be like, okay. And then it was it was wasn't that difficult to get um a lot of the writers involved in this project at all. So that's what I like as an editor. Well, the the big difference between an editor and writer is that as an editor you get to work with other people. As a writer you're doing this all alone, and and that could be a little boring and could be a little lonely. But as an editor you get to work with a whole team. And with these projects, you get to work with like 30 people and, and you get to uh, to meet these really cool uh, writers and artists. And that's what right. I about comic books, too, is that you get, you know, it's a, it's yeah. a sort of thing. All right. Well, that leads me into another question I had. I was going to ask you about uh, selecting your talent pool. Uh, it sounds like you didn't have any trouble getting uh, a lot of people interested just because of the subject matter. Uh, a lot of us who are into all this sort of thing, like Colchak is an icon. Uh, was there anybody who, uh, who you wanted that you couldn't get, or did you, or was also conversely, was anybody like you, you were really looking forward to working with that you were able to get right away? And I, I love the fact that you got the legacy of Richard Matheson's son, uh, Richard C. Matheson, uh, on the project as well. He was the first one I went to because I really wanted him in it since his father wrote the first two movies. 
Mm-hmm. And I already worked with him on my last Kickstarter with the classic Monsters Unleashed. So uh, that was kind of like a no-brainer. And uh, so he said yes, and I was like, okay, once he's in, uh, it's not going to be that difficult to get anybody else. Tim Newman, I was looking at, um, I was researching uh, Coltrek stuff, and they were putting out a Blu-ray of the, the entire series. Uh, they put it out in October, and I saw that he was doing the, uh, the audio commentary. And then I Googled him, and he had said something that he had put Kolchak in his first uh, Anno Dracula novel. And he was kind of uh, pissed with himself because he didn't figure that Anno Dracula would be like a series. And the first book takes place like in the 1880s, and he always wanted to put Kolchak in the 1970s, and he, and he didn't get a chance. So I was like, oh, uh, I'll give him a chance. So when I contacted him, it was like, all right, I'll do it. And he wrote this amazing story. That's kind of like uh, an alternate ending to uh, the Night Stalker. So he's the one who writes Coltac's last case. No, he uh, he he's one of the seventies stories. So he okay. he, he he does like a a play on the Night Stalker. So does that mean uh, your story, the Satanic Panic '88, is the <laughs> is the uh, last uh, Coltac case? Because I did notice that's part of the anthology. No, we go up until like the late '90s, early 2000s. Okay, I'm pretty excited to see what you guys think about how Kolchak should wrap up. Now, uh, looking at the other side of things, uh, artists, now, you've got uh, Dan Brereton for uh, the cover, who is an absolutely fantastic choice. Not only is he a tremendous artist and uh, really big into the monster genre, but he has that pulp style, which is so fitting for a character like Kolchak. You know, you look at his char- his covers and you, you see things like Doc Savage kind of jumped in mind. Uh, tell me about, like, uh, working with some of these artists and uh, if you got the picks that you wanted or if there's anybody else that you would have wanted for the project. To, I know it's still kind of ongoing, so uh, give us a little bit of information on that. Well, Dan's cover was actually an unpublished cover that Moonstone had. Ah, and uh, it was a no- I think it was supposed to be a novel, and it never came out. And it was this awesome cover. And um, like I said, I wrote this Satanic Panic story. So we would now we're gonna f- take that and make it a standalone comic. So we're gonna do like a forty-page comic with just like three of the stories in it. And we're using Dan's cover, which is perfect because it's uh, it's Kolchak and, and a demon. So, like, wow, this is like was tailor-made for this story. So that's the cover we're using uh, for this, this standalone comic, which will have my story, and I, I haven't picked the other stories in there yet. But I was, like, saying, like, I, I like graphic novels, but I have to have a, a you know, floppy, too. Right. So, so that worked out, and that's an amazing cover. Uh, we haven't shown it yet. We only showed two of the covers, but we haven't shown them with text yet. We have, But they're all done now. And yeah, Jason Woodward has an amazing cover too. So I, I got the two covers that you did show first by by Mr. Worley. Look at that. I mean, yeah. look how gorgeous that's dope. Yeah, beautiful, right? And then you got the legend Ordway right here. <laughs> look at that, yo! I'm digging it too. So old school, boss. But yeah, he catches even the hat, bro. I'm about to get one of those, bro. <laughs> I mean, beautiful man. I mean, how easy was it to get legends like that to contribute? A legend like that to contribute. Well, one of our uh, contributors knew him and worked with him, so he hooked us up. Oh, nice. With him, uh, like I said, Moonstone has done a bunch of uh, 
comics before, so there was some people who had already worked with them. Some people I just, you know, cold-called, and uh, they got back to me and, and said, yeah, I'll do it. Some people, my publicist knew. Uh, so it was, I think it was, it was harder to find the interior artists. I think artists rather do covers than do interior pages. <laughs> so much well, how was that journey then, you know, to, and what kind of, you know, pools that you use yeah. for the talent? Admittedly, pages are a grind, so I feel their pain, but it's part of the gig. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, I'll do a cover, I'll do a pinup for you, but I don't know if I have time to do, um, you know, we have 12 to 16 page uh, stories. Oh, wow. And I was trying to hook up writers with, with artists who they already worked with. Uh, so, like, Peter David is, is his story is going to be illustrated oh, by J.K. Oh. Woodward. Nice. He's worked with, with Fallen Angel. Tim Newman's working with Paul McCaffrey, who, who, who illustrates the Anno Dracula uh, comics. Um, oh, David Avalon is uh, his, his story is going to be out. David A is on this. He's like the gentleman of comics. Homie's always well dressed. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing. Got to hook him up with Ben Templesmith. That guy's always dressed. <laughs> oh, right, but now, man, I feel like a bum next to those two guys. I'm like, damn, but I, I'm gonna have to step it up as Al Mega. We got to put the weapon on them the, the way. GQ of comics going on between the two of them. <laughs> I don't even know the suit, so as I dress up as I get. Uh, I, I hear you, but from New York, t-shirts and a cap, I'm good, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, so that, you're lucky I'm not standing up. <laughs> exactly. I don't have to wear a tie. I work from home. I don't even have to yeah, you know what I'm yeah. But he, his story is going to be illustrated by Julius Otha, who, uh, who, who wow. um, I think he worked with him on the Betty Page um, comic. So yeah. that I was cheating a little bit too. It was like, all right, you tell me who you want to work with, and we'll. Uh, ah, you know. nice. <laughs> that's not cheating, man, because if you can find people that are comfortable that also enjoy yeah. the content that's going to be, you know, what the content is, I mean, they'll create beautiful stories out of it, absolutely, especially with people they're comfortable working with. I think that's a great plan. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was, it's, a, it's a collaborative effort, so I wanted writers to work with, uh, already work with these artists, so it'll, it'll, you know, flow a little more smoothly. Yeah, man. And so this Kickstarter, right? Right now, it, it's just on a pre-launch phase, right? Yeah, we're gonna launch uh, January tenth, because hey. Janu January eleventh is the actual fiftieth anniversary of. Oh, uh, dope! Night yeah, the Night Stalker ad, uh January eleventh, nineteen seventy-two on wow. ABC. So do do we know what 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 the ask is yet, so we could reach it in one day and to celebrate that fiftieth heart or no? I think you know, it. you know we have we have almost eight hundred followers already. Oh, dope! Well, okay. The the, uh, the pre launch page, so that's really uh, that blew up past the you know our estimates. We were hoping like to just get five hundred. Uh, we could possibly get to a thousand. We still got another like week and a half. So let's go, man. We have Kolchak fans here. Brace. Once I told Bracey about you and Kolchak, he's like, Ah, I want in. Oh yeah, yeah. I, 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 immediately, I immediately followed you and the project. <laughs> so uh, you can expect my money. <laughs> yeah, so it's been going really well. So I expect. I don't want to jinx it or anything, but you know, I, I expect to have a pretty good. Uh, Okay, and the yeah. thing, you throw it onto the world as a classic character. I could be a jinx if not. He'll come after you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. Yeah, because uh, there's nothing. There's never been anything like this for Kolchak, you know. So when, it's not gonna just be the book. He's gonna. You're gonna have Kolchak T-shirts, 
we're gonna have uh, like prints and posters, and we got some all the surprises. Uh, How, what, what do you think if this could get you know remade into a, a new series or continue the story? Because again, you know, this is a cult hit that only lasted a season. Well, if you'd allow me to interject there, because that's go, actually go. one of my questions, because oh, they wonderful. did try uh, in the 90s to bring back the Night Stalker. They didn't call it Kolchak, and uh, oh, yeah. it, it didn't do well. It didn't have any of the charm, and Kolchak, as it is, is very much a product of its time with that sort of style of uh, reporter. And I've, we've talked about this with uh, amongst ourselves, my fellow comic crusaders, and uh, we were wondering the same thing, if this could happen now, because now you do have the age of independent journalists via the Internet, so you could have the, the nosy reporter character again. Do you think this is something that could work in the modern day? I think it's tough in the modern day. I mean, for me, and this is why I really wanted to um, to set it in the original like, timeline of the show, because, you know, Kolchak to me is like the 70s, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to put him in like the 80s, I think the 80s works too, and the 50s, at least age him, you know? So we're going to actually have a story, we're going to have a story, um, like kind of an origin story that David Avalon's going to write when he's, Kolchak's like 14 in like oh, 1956. So it would be his first. Uh, Young man, Kolchak. <laughs> it would be his first assignment for his high school newspaper. So, oh, I like it. Stuff like that. I wanted. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could make it work in in the modern day. Uh, I wouldn't want him to be like a blogger or anything like that. Because that's the avenue they would take, I think. Oh, he's going to be a blogger or some blog. Not that he works for a, a, a real, you know, print. I was, uh, I was thinking in the – I was thinking in the vein of a, a – not, a, not a blogger per se, but a little bit more of a, a sort of serious online journalist, if you will, like a – uh, sort of a Tim Pool character is a little bit like uh, a cheddar, a cheddar reporter or something. Yeah, like it, well, he's, he, you know, there's there's this kind of pushback against uh, media these days. Uh, like trust has fallen away, so the the internet media has become uh, the source of, source of information for a lot of people. And I think that's yeah. kind of an interesting angle. But I would desperately miss the powder blue leisure suit and uh, you know the old style hat. <laughs> Because yeah, nobody's yeah. going to rock that these days. <laughs> well, they did that 2000, I think it was 2005, was it? That Stuart Townsend? Uh, was it? Okay, I thought it was the late 90s. But, but yeah, that, that, I, I, yeah that, that fell flat for me. I I'm sorry, but Bracey, I know you're, you're part of the older generation, but Al Mega's still very fashionable. And apparently the millennials love grandpa style nowadays. So you have a powder blue leisure suit? <laughs> yeah, you know what? But I may need to get one. That's what. It, that's the style. I may go gotta wear. Because again, you know, you're right. Red, like, retro, retro could be in. It could, it could yes, happen. I have seen have young people wearing Al Bundy brown slacks with, with sweaters and big glasses. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I'm like, word. I'm like, damn, God. Hey, whatever, bro. Whatever, whatever. Hey, that's the style. It would uh, <laughs> it would be difficult to find anybody who could carry the role like Darren McGavin did, but uh, yeah. you yeah. know, you never know. I was uh, I was really impressed by like what the uh, that Skarsgård kid did with uh, it after watching Tim Curry. So I'm not knocking it. Somebody out there can probably do it. So uh, aside from just the horror genre, which uh, obviously we're all big fans of here. Uh, looking at your own work and looking at Coltrane, you seem to be really drawn to 
pulp and noir as well. Um, so uh, what's the what's the appeal of that for you? And uh, obviously that brings you right into something like Kolchak. I think again that was like being like a you know growing up in the seventies with Star Wars, and mm-hmm. so, so you know when Star Wars came out that that like changed everything, and then you know obsessed with Star Wars, and then. Then it found out, oh, George Lucas based all of this on, like, Flash Gordon and uh, all those old serials. So then it became obsessed with uh, Flash Gordon. So you started going back in time, like, yo, hold on. Let me yeah, yeah. So I, I loved, I loved the, the Flash Gordon movie. Wait, how did you find those? Oh, you were watching the movies. You didn't, did you go back into the books, too? Yeah, I read the books. I remember at one point, uh, it might have been, like, the late 70s or early 80s, like, like PBS started playing the, uh, the actual old serials. Did you catch them really late at night? Because that's when I ended up catching them. <laughs> on in the morning or something. They, they started playing, like, um, the Flash Gordon uh, serial. And then they started playing this crazy one with Gene Autry, where he's, like, a cowboy. And it's called Phantom Empire. And yes. underneath, underneath his ranch is, like, this alien race. What? Yes, it was sci-fi mixed with the Buster, and it was epic. Yeah. Wait, wait, and this is a serial you guys are blowing my mind. Yeah, So this is Western sci-fi before Aliens versus Cowboys. Yeah, Yeah, it's like Cowboys versus Aliens. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it, love it. I couldn't believe that. So I was watching that stuff. I loved it. On the next lot spoilers. (laughs) So that stuff was great. So it was always yeah. like I'm low with that. And then you know you had Indiana Jones came out. So my whole childhood, th- those were the movies. Those they were all based on the old those old serials. And so we were watching great stuff. I mean that yeah. kind of the apes. You know all, all all amazing stuff. All the Hammer films. I mean we grew up. Uh, we're not. We can't see this anymore. Thank thank you Pluto. That's probably the only place I've been finding classics right now. Mm. I swear to God. Uh, thank you for somebody. The 1980s had easily the best of these like these big blockbuster like action movies that they don't compete with like uh, you know Ghostbusters and uh, Back to the Future. Die Hard is probably the greatest action movie of all time. You know, Alien, Alien. Christmas movie too, one of the best Christmas movies. <laughs> I, 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 I piss people off when I say my favorite Christmas movies are Home Alone, Die Hard, and Gremlins, and then a special <laughs> salute to Silent Night, Deadly Night, and people get all, all mad at me. <laughs> all the 80s, man. Yeah, the 80s, they, they, they Superman too. Look what's on and on and on. They, you can't compete. And, and like nowadays, they, they, because they, the, back in the 80s, they, they still had, you know, they had the, the special effects on that, but it still had heart and it still had, it still had like the good writing that you had from like the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yes. You, I, I agree. There was something about, uh, for me, I, I call it, it was just a different energy in the atmosphere at that point in time when it came to the creativity that just is not really there now. It's very rare. I'm not going to say everyone's a hack, for example. They're not. But you know, but but it's it's very few and far in between to find a gem nowadays. Well, the eighties really loved uh, the 80s filmmakers really love genre too. Uh, you know, we're starting to get back into that now with like uh, the superheroes and the Star Wars and all that stuff. But there was a there was a long time when TV and uh, and the movies were not interested in genre picks at all. It all had to be uh, you know either like some sort of action or some sort of drama, uh, something that was realistic, and uh, there was a big period where we kind of missed out on all that exciting fantasy, that yeah. that break away from reality. Yeah. 
But this is why we have creators like James, bro. You know, bringing mm-hmm. us the, all that fantasy and, and, and bringing us back to earth on, on some good stuff where we could just get away and read something amazing. So, you know, so if you wanted to get all your all, all your works, right, we could just easily go to your website, right? I mean, uh, can we get uh, links to, to your products and your stuff there? Yeah, if you go to like, jamesdackland.com, everything should be there. Everything should be there. Bro. Yeah, he's a uh, he's got his three dead Jack novels on there. He's got the hey. uh, Universal Monsters. Uh, I'm busy. I can update all this stuff. Yeah. Do you see this guy? He's braces all over it, like white on rice. <laughs> oh, like, man, like, down, uh, look, once I started looking up James, I instantly became a fan because like we are so on point. We're like totally into the same things. I love <laughs> it. I can't I can't oh. wait to experience uh, what you've been doing. Uh, yeah, speaking man. of experience, uh, so how did you? Uh, come to know Kolchak. Uh, did you? Yeah. Uh, like, was it? Uh, was it always? Were you always part of the fandom? Like, I grew up with it. You know, I'm like, I was born in '68, so like, in the too 70s, bad you I can't see him. Then you could tell every chance I got. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I, mean, I was always a fan of Kolchak, but I don't remember when I first saw it. I mean, I probably saw it. Um, I was saying before, it was probably like a. Midnight movie. They used to play it at like you know midnight, and that would be like your your, your horror movie, and it'd be mm-hmm. Kolchak. So it was probably it was always around, and I remember just checking out just a couple of years ago. It was like oh Kolchak was was cool, and I was like let me find it, and I was watching it again. So it was always something that was around, but I didn't know that there was this huge Kolchak fandom on online. Oh wow! Once I started, when did you find that out though? <laughs> once I started like you know researching the pro, I had already like committed to doing the project, and then I was, like, saying, well, I hope there are people out there who are into this, you know, and then I started looking, and, like, Facebook has, like, these really active uh, Kolchak groups that are crazy, like, like, they post about Kolchak every day. So you know where to post this at. I gotta look those up immediately, like, look who we spoke to, you you guys, he's he's making the next greatest project right here for the people. They're really, like, there's, like, the diehard Kolchak fans still, and they, they love it, and they, they talk about it every day. Well, when you have great actors like Homie, like, like, like Bracey said, like, like, you know, like the lead actor for Kolchak, I mean, yeah, you know, they're going to become iconic because they obviously did a whole bunch of other things <laughs> after the fact, but that was that role, you know? Yeah, well, he's, he's probably best known for a Christmas story, but, like, Kolchak's got to be number two. Yeah, the guy was just a genius in those two roles. Yeah. A Christmas story. What? What is it? I, I, yeah, not, 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 I hate Christmas. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. I, can't <laughs> I, I like that movie, movies. though. I, the only thing I like about that is the lamp. But he got one of those lamps, bro. I'm, I'm surprised he doesn't have that lamp behind him now. Come on, bro. That uh, the lady won't allow it, bro. The one of the house. <laughs> yeah, that, if he had that lamp, there'd be a, like a gremlin perched on top of it, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a great all right. movie. All right, so let me leave you with this. So I know that you're a big horror buff, obviously. You know, you, you, you're from our generation. I need to ask you, and I, 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 I know people get perplexed with this type of question, like, why are you putting me on this spot? But I have to know. <laughs> but I'll make it easy for you. I'll make it easier for you. I won't say what is your favorite, but I'll say what are your top three horror movies of all time? Oh, man. You know, I really like the new Dawn of the Dead, the Zack Snyder one. Mm. That was a great job. He did a great job. I admit, a great I really awesome. 
and that got me that got me back into zombies. Oh, I thought that was awesome. I'd have to say Halloween, just because it was the, the first Halloween. I mean, that was like legitimately good slasher film. I think even like you know, I was into Friday the Thirteenth, but they're not good movies. Halloween no, that's was, fun movies. <laughs> I mean, would you consider Alien uh, a horror movie? Yeah, oh, very was. much so. Absolutely. It's sci-fi horror. I hate when people don't think that sci-fi could be horror. It's absolute fucking horror. Because when these motherfuckers you're come down here, if you're telling yeah, me you're like, going to be screaming like a little bitch, yeah, cool. you know. Like, <laughs> you've got all things. You've got, a, you've got a predatory creature. You've basically yeah. got a haunted house in space. You've got secret yeah, yeah. passages. You've got yeah. cosmic horror. And you've got body horror. Everything yep. is very much a horror. Yeah, you know, you got stuff coming out your body in places that shouldn't be coming out. I mean, see sex without being cut. This is horrible. <laughs> that's horrible. <right. laughs> you know, that's horror to me. Absolutely. I love it, bro. You're a fan. Every movie you said, I love to. I, you know, I, I always tell people this, and I love telling people Let this. Me, uh, my, my first movie was Hell Night in a movie theater that my parents <laughs> took me to. In a movie theater. You understand me? So me, my, my me... love to horror was very early. Uh-huh. Let me follow up with this question, because this is a question I was interested in. Including the two TV movies, what's your favorite Kolchak episode? Ooh. That's a hard one, because um, I do like, I do prefer love the TV movies. Mm-hmm. The TV episodes aren't bad. I do like the the one, Chopper, where it's the... Uh, it's the big, Headless Motorcycle Rider? Which I think is a cool... Like, That's episode. the one it's and that's so actually that's actually written by uh, Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale, nice. Who wrote, of course, uh, Back to the Future. You need to add After Effects and put Ghost Rider's head on that scene every time. <laughs> How about that? that? That was pretty cool. So, oh, that's dope. Any more questions you got, Bracy? Uh, let me uh, check the list here. Do, 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 do. That's what Bracy do, man. He be coming prep because he wants. Because, you know, when he loves something, he want to make sure you love it, too. <laughs> yeah. right, but, but I know I know James Love it, man. He's an amazing editor. I mean, you got amazing talent on the book, you know, through a cool publisher, Moonstone. How did you hook up with Moonstone, by the way, you know, to do these types of projects? I just emailed him. Just an email. Oh, look at that. No, no, more, no more, you know, licking envelopes and, and stuff. Yeah, I know. When I think of all the money and time I spent going to cons <laughs> trying to get work with art directors. <laughs> and yeah. Here's my website. <laughs> That's how I've learned is like you just email people with an idea and it can happen. One fantastic. See, be bold, right? I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's a good tip for all our fellow creatives out yeah, there. Absolutely. The only thing you can say is no, but I've been back you. I say like, that all the time. Even when my first Kickstarter, I, I didn't know the publisher. I just said I had this idea to do an anthology, uh, like all new stories based on the classic monsters, and, you know, new stories on based on Dracula and Frankenstein. Nice. And you're talking about the universal versions, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but since they're based on uh, books, yeah, you know, I know what you mean. But 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 you know you you know the fans. You know you got to kind of place it with the brand so they understand what the hell we're talking about. Right? Yeah, I mean they the universal, but yeah, but they're not. Yeah, but they're not universal. But you know, it, it, as though it's based on the books. But you know, yeah, most of those monsters are in the public domain. So that's why I was like, wow, you can do anyone can do a Dracula story. Everyone can do Frankenstein. 
So yeah. why would you do an anthology with all the monsters? And then we could do a Thor story too, because Marvel don't own that motherfucker. That shit is not yeah, mythology. That's, uh, that's mythology. You can dig right into that. Yeah. Exactly. This is why you know Walt Simonson got that amazing story, Ragnarok, right? Mm-hmm. That's a real mm-hmm. kick-ass Thor story. If you want to read one, <laughs> right, so here's a uh, here's something about Kolchak. Kolchak is a uh, a first-person sort of character. Uh, he's an audience point of view, and uh, you know because he's a reporter, he's always doing his narration over the uh, story. Um, do you include that in the story? And when you write your own stories, because I haven't had a chance to read your books yet, uh, do you like to write in that first-person Kolchak sort of style, or do you prefer the third-person sort of God's eye view writing? Well, the Dead Jack books I do the first person because that they, you know that usually lends itself well to like that noir mm-hmm. detective, so you could do like that narration. But then I found that with, with Dead Jack, see, Dead Jack works in this world called Pandemonium. So it's an alternate universe. It's like 1940s New York, but everybody in, in, in this universe is a monster. It's like every, you know, mythological creature or legend is in, is in this world. So it's ogres and elves and stuff. It's New York, yes, regularly. It's right. New York with, with real <laughs> ogres, you know? So as I progressed with the series, it was like, this is a huge world that I could be doing all these other stories and and so then, like, the first person became a little kind of constricting. It was like, oh, I wish I, I had actually done this in third person because uh, mm. the world's just too big. Hmm. Well, sometimes, you know, first person can be a little too restrictive. Right. Yeah, especially if you want to get into the uh, the heads of other characters. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, because okay. the detective is all about the mystery, and then it's about him trying to solve the the, the case, and, and, and it works that way. It, I've you know, definitely I, been a fan of the uh, the new uh, supernatural urban genre that's come out in the last couple of decades, you know, with things like uh, Dresden and Criminal Macabre and Dylan Dog, yeah. and now you're Dead Jack. Uh, so it's really fun to see somebody else playing in that playground. Uh, speaking of which, uh, with Moonstone, all right, mm-hmm. so we know how you got into Moonstone. Did they offer you Kolchak, or did you see they had Kolchak, and you're like, I want that? But I seen that they. I wanted uh, to do another project after I did Classic Monsters, so I had seen that they they had Kolchak, and then I was like, just on a lark, I was like, let me see if like there's an anniversary or something coming up, which would be a good hook. So I look it up and I go, oh wow, uh, I love this guy. I love this guy. Is in on, in January, so I was like, perfect. This was like maybe in the summer. So I was like, oh Isn't man, it? I gotta do a 50th anniversary thing. So it was like it just worked out. I love this guy. He did his homework real quick. He said, hold up, son. I give you a real fucking hook. That's what I, I love. It. I, I love that you saw that opportunity and jumped on it. In the email, and they were like, yeah, okay, we'll do it. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of silly now. They're yeah, like, I love it. Okay, uh, I just, I got all right. Two last questions then. Perfect. Go ahead, Grace. Uh, did you ever have a chance? Uh, to ever meet Darren McGavin by any chance at a con or anything like that? No, no, no. Uh, it's a real shame. I, I wish I, it's one of the people I wish I could have met myself. Mm. And if you had a chance to, like, uh, let's go a little cross universe here, and you could actually meet the Carl Kolchek, what would you say to him? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I would love to know what he thought about all these monsters that are showing up, you know, every week and why he didn't put together, like, is there some kind of, what's going on? <laughs> you know? Like, he never seems to question that. You know? <laughs> like, every week to week, he's like, oh, well, there's a there's a mummy now, you know, just rampaging through Chicago, and he never seems to 
put together the bigger picture. So I, I, I'd like to know why, you know, what his thoughts on that. Well, okay, so it's it's the murder she wrote syndrome. It's like, why do people keep right. dying around Angela Lansbury? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from <laughs> that lady, damn it. Right. Chicago, though, is a pretty dangerous place, so maybe I, I can see that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's just another day in the hood for Kojak. Right. It's like, yo. That might, be, uh, that might be good fodder for a, a story later. It turns out, like, uh, if you do some more things with Kolchak, that <laughs> it just turns out that that particular city is a real spook magnet. Right. That's what it is. I like how Joss Whedon explained his way by saying, like, Oh, Sunnydale's on top of a hell mouth, so right. it just draws yeah. all the supernatural evil. Yeah, there you go. That's all you need, yeah. <laughs> that's all you need. Yeah, absolutely. James, bro, you're awesome, bro. I appreciate your time today, man. So yeah, everybody, this fun. Yeah, bro, I mean, and I know Brazy has been loving it. So I want everybody to go please follow James on Twitter right now, Kochak50. You heard that? 50th yeah. anniversary is an amazing character. Please check out everything, James, at Cologne. Sounds gangster. I could low web <laughs> right there. Yeah. You know, so check out his website, please. But of course, yo, the Kickstarter is gonna launch next month, twenty twenty two, right after the new year. That's right. Jesus Christ, the new year is coming real quick. Yeah. You know, so um just do that right there, yo. Go visit Kickstarter, look up right there, coach at the nice talk of fiftieth anniversary. Yo, get the get on those notifications. You're gonna wanna be a part of this historic yeah, moment here, and not in not just comics, but for this iconic character. I mean, it's fifty years, yo. You want a piece of this action, people? And you know, it's coming through the Moonstone Books publisher right there. So even though they might not be very active, you know, just give them a like, give them a follow, let them know you want to know what the hell they're doing, all right? And what yeah. they got. <laughs> if you're a comic, if you're a comics fan and you're a fiction fan. Just look at the talent they've already got lined up for this project. This yeah, you have no idea. Got, guys, again, you know, just a second before we go. Ronnie Barnes, Kim Newman, Peter David, Jonathan Marbury, oh, my God, Colton Worley, Warwick Johnson Caldwell, J.K. Woodward, uh, Woodward, Paul McCaffrey, and, of course, the, the big homie, James Aguilone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yo, I, I mean, th- this is amazing. Then you get a retrospective of the publication history yes. by the publisher. Yeah, Joe Gentile, I won't say that as well, <laughs> correct? But, you know, you get in that, I mean, you get in some alternate covers. This is an amazing project. If you, if you don't put your money behind this iconic character, yeah, you guys are missing out. Comic Crusaders totally recommends this project, yo, for real. You know, so so that's a seal of approval right there for me and Bracey from Cinema Crusaders and Stop Sloppy Spoilers, which are all about movies and TV culture. So Kochak is a marriage of both. This is why we had to have him here. <laughs> all right? So, James, man, thank you again. May you, you and your fam have a blessed and a very happy and healthy new year. And I know people don't get their files, so we give them to you here. Thank you for being creative and being bold and sharing of your vision, not being afraid. You know what I mean? Putting it out there. Thank you, bro. Thanks for admitting you're lazy, that you just <laughs> want to be a CEO, and that's that. You know what I mean? That's get right. it done. People, you can make it too. You can yeah, do, man. Yeah. That's it. Get it done. Get it done. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, James, again, love you. Bracey, love you too, brother. Happy New Year to both of you, my people, right there. 
And I appreciate the time. Folks, you know that also tells you everything that you guys got to do. And with that, hasta la próxima, mi gente. Thank you for listening to the Comment Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCase.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today.